Praise the Lord. Uh, thank you for, uh, man, thank you for being here today. Aren't you glad to be in church today? I mean, I tell you, I'm, I'm glad, grateful to God to be here. And so grateful to live in this great country, this free land, to be able to worship God freely. Uh, there's not a free church uh, or, or an unfree church. There's the church. I like that, Mike. That was a good, that was a good, good word. And so the Ripkins says, we've had them in our church before. They will, uh, uh, God is using them, the insanity of God, the insanity of obedience. And so thank you, Becky Dean, for helping us get this here at Great Hills. Okay, so church family, uh, today uh, we're coming to the tables in just a few minutes. Well, maybe then more than just a few. We're going to share this message that God has put on my heart is we're going to do a comparison between Joseph, not the stepfather of Jesus in the New Testament, but Joseph, the Old Testament patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. And what we're going to, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then Joseph. We're going to look at that Joseph, all right? Joseph and Jesus, Genesis and Matthew. We're, we're toward the end of our study of Genesis 37 through 50. And we only have a few more weeks and we will be completed with the study. But I thought as we came to the table today, what if we could just take a few moments and look at two very distinct salient features of the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus and then pull us together under the banner of the Word of God, under the, the thought of humiliation and exaltation, and, and bring us together as a church and let us partake of these elements and worship God as, as a church family. As we've noticed uh, over the course of these weeks and months as we've studied that there are many similarities in the, life of, in the lives of Joseph and Jesus Christ, born of Hebrew descent, flights into Egypt, favor of God upon them, rejected by their own, those who should have loved them the most, betrayed them the most vehemently, sold for a few pieces of silver, 20 for one, 30 for the other. Hardship, suffering, humiliation, rejection, pain, difficulty, hard, hard times. And yet, these two characters not only experienced all of that, they also experienced the exaltation and the favor and the blessing and honor of God the Father. And so today, what I want us to do is, is look at their lives, and as we do these biographical studies, just ask the Holy Spirit to massage our, our hearts, to tenderize us, O Spirit of God, so that when we come to the elements, it will be such a sacred time, a solemn time, a time where we just gather together as a church family, and as we eat this bread, and as we drink this juice, we do so in His remembrance. And we remember His humiliation. We remember His sacrifice, His bloody hemorrhaging body on that cross in Jerusalem, and how that death of Jesus on the cross and that subsequent resurrection from the dead empowers us to be forgiven of all of our sins, to stand clean, washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, as we think about this and ruminate on all of these great doctrines and this Christological moment where we worship Jesus as we observe these elements, eating this bread and, and drinking this juice, oh Holy Spirit of God, I pray now that you would speak to us. 
And Lord, you've already spoken to us through these powerful songs and through this video and through the very prayers that have been prayed and through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Lord, you have been speaking, but now, Lord, it's like preeminently you speak through your word. And so we are asking you, Holy Spirit of God, speak to Great Hills Baptist Church. Lord, may you eradicate all sin and anything, God, that would block us from worshiping you properly. Lord, remove any impediment. Take away all the dross, God, the impurities in our life. Thank you, Lord, for your word that promises that he who confesses his sins and forsakes them will be forgiven. And Lord, so we're asking you to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we enter into this holy time. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want you to notice with me today in this comparison of, of Joseph and Jesus is the word humiliation. Both of these men endured excruciatingly painful times of betrayal and difficulty. And as I said a moment ago, the very ones, their own, come on now, their own brothers, their own families, those who should have recognized and and received them as a gift from God are the very ones who rejected them. For example, Joseph, envied by his brothers, his ten half-brothers. In Genesis 37, 28, we see the crime committed against him. We've seen this before, but look at it again. The Midianite traders, they pass by. Joseph, the brother, is in a pit. You say, well, how in the world did that young 17-year-old brother get in a pit? His brothers put him there. They put him in a pit so they could sell him to the Ishmaelites, and they did for a whopping 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. He did not go on his own accord, neither did Jesus. You know, Jesus was taken by his parents and taken in flight to run away from Herod as he made his flight to Egypt. Now, the chief priest, if you think about Jesus being humiliated and betrayed, the elders and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none, but at last two false witnesses came forward and they said this. Remember this, church? This fellow, by the way, that is a word of contempt. Uh, that, that, that is a very painful, cutting, biting, caustic word. This fellow, come on, now they, they're referring to the Son of God as a, as a fellow, not, not much better than an old dog. You know, this old fellow, he said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And so what they did is they, they took Jesus' words and they twisted them. They misinterpreted and misunderstood him. Jesus was referring to his body. He said, you take this body and it will be destroyed and I will raise it up. It will be raised up on the third day. Well, they twisted his message and turned the crowd against him. And so he's betrayed and he's sold for 30 pieces of silver. So humiliation, we see it in the lives of both of these men of God. You know, Joseph faced another very humbling and horrible situation as we as we retrack his life and just kind of recapitulate, summarize the life of Joseph briefly this morning. Remember, he was sold into slavery to the highest bidder, which was a man by the name of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife 
Remember that text, church? We looked at that a few weeks ago. She cast longing eyes upon Joseph and said, come lie with me, and Joseph resisted her repeatedly. And so she was scorned, and in her scorn, she accused, falsely accused him of trying to rape her. And so because of that, Potiphar takes Joseph and throws him into prison, and he stays many years in prison. And the butler, he interprets the butler's dream, and the butler says, man, thank you, and uh, that, I'll put a good word in, in for you to Pharaoh, but he, but he forgot. Remember that? He forgot. And so he languished two more years in prison. And you think, man, Joseph, what in the world is going on here? What, what did you do to make God so mad at you? Let me ask that again. Joseph, what did you do? God is so mad at you. Jesus, what, what did you do that, that the Father allowed you to be so falsely accused and maligned and misunderstood and hated and betrayed? Jesus, what did you do? And here's the point, guys. Sometimes when you walk with God and you do all the right things, you still suffer harm. And that's a word you and I could take to our souls. And we could say, thank you, Lord, for the solace and for the peace that you give me. And sometimes you didn't do anything wrong, and it's like everything is turned against you, and you are humiliated. You, are, you, you feel destroyed. You feel like, what in the world is going on? I, I can't make sense of this. No rhyme, no reason to it. God, where are you in my suffering? God, have you forsaken me? Have you forgotten me? And Jesus, in Matthew 26, 59 through 61, do you see that? Do you see that? I mean, just the betrayal, the twistedness, the misunderstanding, the false accusations. Let, let, me, let me read these notes I made here. Listen to these words. Can, can anybody relate to this? Trial, hardship, pain, suffering, forgotten. Joseph forgotten by his brothers, and Jesus was forgotten by his parents. <laughs> Y'all remember that? You got Jesus? Yeah, I, I think he's with you. No, he's not with me. And they go, well, he's back in the temple. So they make a run for it for a day, and they make, and there Jesus is. They, well, they forgot him. False accusations, setbacks, humiliation, all for doing not the wrong thing, but for doing the, the, right, the right things. And that's, that is humbling, is it, is it not? As I look at, as I look at Christianity, and I look at our faith, and I just, I just love the Lord. I, I appreciate so much that God in His wisdom, He just knows more than we do. He's just smarter than us, and He orchestrates things, and He allows things to happen that we think it will destroy us. And A.W. Tozer, he, he's still quoted today, and he's still right. Those that God uses greatly, He wounds deeply, and He does. You say, well, I don't understand that. And you know what? I don't actually understand it all myself. And you know what? I don't have to understand it. All I have to do is be obedient and walk in faith and trust God, knowing that all will be well. God knows what He's doing. He's smarter than me. He's going to take, He's just going to take care of us because we are His children. So the second thing I want us to look at before we observe the elements is the word exaltation. After the humiliation, let me put it this way, after the cross, and the burial, there's resurrection. And after that, there's ascension, and there's exaltation. 
Four times in Genesis chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph. This one in verse 23 ends the chapter 39, says, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, made it prosper. After Joseph properly interpreted the dream of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt greatly exalts him. Remember this? Genesis 41. I love this passage. 41 through 43. It's like, man, he's just given the keys to the Egyptian kingdom. Remember, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off of his hand. You see that in your mind's eye? And he puts it on Joseph's hand, and he clothes him in garments of fine linen, and he puts a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. And then we see Jesus greatly humiliated and crucified and buried. But praise God, praise God the Father, He has a plan, and He raises His Son from the dead. And He gives Him the name that is above every other name. And, and, and if you're like me, you're probably thinking of that great Christological passage in Philippians chapter, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It's just one of those golden gems in all of literature, and it's, it's some of our favorites when it says, and let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form, the very morphe, the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but, you remember this church? He made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant, a slave, and he came in the likeness of Ben. And keep rolling, do y'all still have that? Because we got to get to the next part. Oh, how did they preach in the New Testament without PowerPoint? Oh, here it is, here it is, come on now. And being found in appearance as a man, watch this, he humbled himself. This is humiliation. And he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now watch this, therefore, and God's got a plan. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name, come on now, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow of those in heaven, of those under the earth, and, of, and of, of those on the earth, and keep going, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That, that day is coming. Every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is, is Lord. And so this week as I'm having opportunity to um, to, 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 to receive this message and to live this message, that's how I can share with my Islamic taxi driver for, what was it, actually 30 or 40 minutes, just get to, woo, preach the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship, and He and He alone is God come in the flesh. And to speak to them, the retired University of Texas uh, economics professor, praise the Lord and get to share get to share the gospel with him for about an hour. Amen. You say, why would you waste? Are you wasting people's time talking? People don't want to hear that. Let me tell you something, friend. It's the gospel, and we get to share it. We get to live it. We get to preach it. And I'll tell you what, I let God take care of the results. We get to share the message. Woo!
Praise the Lord. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me like Benjamin Franklin looked at George Whitfield. You say, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe all that, but I think he believes it. <laughs> I, I believe it. I believe it all. And I believe that Jesus Christ, the one who humbled himself and died and was beaten beyond recognition and placed in a borrowed tomb, he is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And everybody who believes on him, they will not perish but have everlasting life as part of God's sovereign, omnipotent, amazing plan that he takes the worst that hell can send to us. He takes the worst, the, the beatings that man may give us, and God takes all of that mess and He creates a wonderful message out of it. He, he goes from the humiliation to the exaltation. And listen to this, friend, if God did it to His Son, He'll do it to you. <laughs> you say, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to volunteer. You've already volunteered. You know that? When you said Jesus Christ is Lord, God the Father, listen, friend, He works, and He shapes you, and He, and he molds you into the image of His Son. Come on now, so that all those impurities, they are burned away, and so we are presented before Him spotless. And it's just God's plan. And I, I, I don't understand it completely, and I certainly don't enjoy it at times, but it, it is His plan. I almost named this sermon, Joseph, Jesus, and Eric. And Joseph, I understand. And Jesus, I understand. But who is Eric? For the Glory is the book written by Duncan Hamilton. And I, I just relish this book. You, you know, about my bedside, I, I always have a biography. I was taught by my professor, if you want to be a great man of God, then read great men of God and see how God used them and watch them and the suffering and the crucible and the pain, and, and that way you don't get mad at God. That way you don't get offended. I think that's the great sin in the church today is offense. I'm offended. Oh, thank you. Somebody's clapping about that. All right. I, th I, think, that is, I think that is our... I don't disagree with Dr. Patterson on many things, but I disagree with him on this. The, the greatest sin in the church is to be offended. And when you, when you really understand Christianity, and you understand what some of these brothers and sisters are going through in the other parts of the world, you'll say, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> it's okay. I am good. I am good and happy. Sing on, preach on, because Jesus Christ is good to me, and I ain't got nothing to worry about, because I'm telling you, I am blessed. I live in America. Let me do a little jig for you, all right? And I live in the great state of, somebody help me. That's right. I mean, look at that. How good is God? to allow us to be here and to serve Him and to worship Him. And Jesus said, blessed are you if you're not offended because of me. Satan keeps us down and just, just works on us if we're offended, but we say, it's okay, I forgive, Let, let's move forward. So I'm reading Eric Liddell's biography, and I'm so convicted to the core. The, the thing about him that people said even to his dying day is how sweet-spirited he was. After suffering so much harsh treatment in his life, he, he kept a smile, even to his captors, even though who, those who punished him and he was in prison for his faith for two years. 
You say, wait a minute, are you talking about the same Eric Liddell that won the gold medal in 1924? Yes, I am. From Scotland. It was funny in the book, they said, if you do anything good and you're from Scotland, England takes credit. If you do anything bad, you're from Scotland, Scotland takes credit. I thought that was interesting, but he's a Scottish boy, goes to Edinburgh, and his testimony is, God just made me fast. God made me fast. And so he begins to run, and he wins meet after meet. That's track meet. And next thing you know, he's qualifying for the 100-meter race in the 1924 Olympic Games to be held in Paris, France. And people are picking him to win it all because this boy can run. I mean, he is just fast. And so he gets there, and um, guys, they worshipped sports figures like people worship sports figures today. It was no different. I disagree with it, but it is what it is, okay? They, they worship at the altar of sports in the 20s in England. And so they get to the games, and there's all this excitement and euphoria. You, you've seen Chariots of Fire. You've seen the movie. You need to read the book. You need to read For the Glory, Duncan Hamilton. And they said, uh, he's getting on the train. They say, good luck, Eric, as the qualifying race is on Sunday. And everything stops. The, the movie stops, the book stops, and Eric Liddell says, excuse me. They said, yeah, good luck on the qualifying race on Sunday. He's deeply devout Christian and Sabbath keeper, and he says, I, I can't do that. I can't run on Sunday. And they pull him aside. and. <laughs> I mean, royalty and dignitaries and the Olympic Committee representing England, they put him in a room and say, have you lost your ever-loving mind? Boy, this is not about you. This is about England. This is about us putting to shame those Americans. They think they're going to dominate us again. It's putting to shame the Germans. You can run, and you, need, you will run. You will run. <laughs> he said, no, I won't. And in that moment, he was so hated vilified, really, by his own countrymen. Then a friend says, well, if you're not going to run in the 100, I'll step out and let you run in my place in the 400. And they were like, well, fat chance you got of winning that. (laughs) Do y'all know there's a difference between 100 meters and 400? I'm just just checking. Make sure we're all good with the math, all right? Four times, Jennifer, four times more. You know what I'm saying? 100 meters, 400 meters. Now, he had run some 400-meter races. Some, sometimes we think, well, Eric Liddell just said, I'll do it. I've never done it before. He had run some races, but it wasn't his race. What was that American's name? Let me give you Horatio. Horatio Fitch. It was his race. Everybody picked him hands down. He will win the 400 meters. So Eric Liddell, <laughs> he's on the block. He's about to run his 400-meter race. No, Listen, guys. It's, it, nobody's giving him a chance, all right, to, to win. And somebody hands him a little slip of paper. And there's two different versions. There's the version of the movie, which I like better, but I don't think it's true. <laughs> it, it's an American runner gives him a piece of paper. But actually, Duncan Hamilton said it actually happened earlier on in the day, and one of the team masseurs, massage, give you those massages before you race, he's the one that gave 
Eric Liddell this sheet of paper. And on this piece of paper, little bitty piece of paper, it said these words. He that honors me, I will honor, wishing you the best of success always. 1 Samuel 2.30, and it was one of the American runners, according to the movie, that gave him that. Or as one of the team masseurs who gave, somebody gave it to him, and he reads it. And he says, he who honors me, I will honor. Come on, guys, listen to this. The gun went off. He took off like a bullet. They said he ran like a man possessed. And he took off, and not only did he win, but in the process of winning, he beat Fitch by five meters or six yards. Now, six yards is a big deal. 47.9 seconds, 47.6 seconds. He broke the world record. And there he is running in that unorthodox head back, running like this, and just left them in the dust. And guess what he wins? If you win, what do you get in the medals? In the... Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You is kind and smart and important. You got this, all right? So they said, man, you won the 24th, the 28th, it's going to be nothing. You can win the 400, you can win the 100, you can get on the relays. He said, stop right there. He says, I'm not racing. God's called me to be a missionary. And I'm going to represent the King of Kings on foreign soil. I'm going to China like my mom and like my dad did. That's where I was born. And I'm going to China. And they're like, well, okay, that sounds good. You'll get over it. <laughs> you'll, you'll get over it. And not only did he go to China and did he serve, but him and his wife had two precious daughters. She was pregnant with their third. And he said, honey, Probably nothing's going to happen, but in case it does, I, I want you to go back to Canada. And I'm going to stay, and I'm going to serve the Lord here. It's getting a little dangerous. Japan's starting to occupy China, World War II, 1943. You understand the scenario. Now, he incarcerated him. They put him in prison. And for two years, Eric Liddell, they said, this man never complained. This man always smiled. He always visited people. And on Sundays, he was our preacher. And during the week, he would visit the sick. And, and, and we would challenge him to race some of the young whippersnappers. There's hundreds of people in this race. He had beat them every time. <laughs> I mean, he was getting up in the age. He was like 40, 41, 42. He'd beat them. And he was just fast until one day he lost a race in the prison camp. He had this excruciating headache. And Eric Liddell had brain cancer, and there were doctors in this intern camp, internment camp, and they were like, you, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just all in your mind. That's literally what they told him. So he dies, February 1945. They put him in a little makeshift grave. The whole camp is in mourning. But before he died, he wrote a letter to his wife. And Duncan Hamilton says this about the letter. He says, quote, There were four words that Liddell found from somewhere, and they read like a farewell promise to his family, and the last expression of his unbreakable faith. And here are the words. Church family, I've cried two times 
in reading biographies, of the dozens of biographies I've read, I only cried when John Adams' wife died. Abigail Adams died, it just broke my heart as I'm reading it. Then I cried when I read this. He's telling his wife, he's telling his kids and his unborn daughter that he will never see on this side of eternity. And somewhere deep within his heart and his soul, he wrote these four words. All will be well. That's what he said. All will be well. He has this excruciating headache, and he dies. And then church family, only a few months later, we win the war, and they shut the camp down. And then three weeks after he died, the prison camp receives an x-ray machine. And those doctors could have found that, and they actually could have helped him. And I, I just want y'all to know, I'm saying, God, what is the deal here? He's 43. He's got a wife and two kids and one on the way. And now that baby's born. And God, what is the deal? And God just says, I know what I'm doing. And here we are 70 years later talking about a man and receiving strength and encouragement. And I don't know if y'all are anything like me. If I think I got it bad, I ain't got it bad. If I think I'm suffering for the Lord, I'm not suffering for the Lord. Do I understand this? Do I understand the calamity and the humiliation of Joseph? No. Eric Liddell, no. Jesus, no. But I do know this. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Sometimes God don't make sense. <laughs> but He just knows more than us. Is anybody else being blessed through through Joseph and through Jesus and through Eric Liddell. I don't know about y'all, but this is helping. This is helping me on my journey. And now when I come to these elements, man, I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm, I'm like, yes, let's eat. Let's eat and let's drink. And, and as we do, we say, oh, what a Savior. And if you're here today and you know Him, here's, here's what you ought to do over the next few minutes. You just ought to be having a little holy hoot nanny right there in your circle. You're drawing your circle like Mark Batterson says, and you're just having a holy dance. You're just having confession. You're just praising the Lord. You're just thanking the Lord. You got your health. You got your family. You got your church. You got Jesus in your heart. You got clothes on your back. Praise God. You're just like, whoa, wow, wow. I'm so blessed. Others of you, you don't know the Lord. You don't have a relationship with the Lord. And what you need to do is you don't need to partake of these elements. That's the last thing you need to do. You with me? Because when you do that, I mean, God curses you. Did y'all know that's biblical? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, people get sick and die because <laughs> they take this Eucharist, this, these holy elements that represent, the elements aren't so much holy as what it represents is holy. And if you partake this, you don't know Jesus, you're, you're putting a curse on your life. So as a pastor, I'm, I'm helping you do not eat this. Do not drink this, and, and if you are far from God, and you're not walking with God, and you've got anger and bitterness, and you're just mad, and you're offended to the core, I'm just, I'm just offended, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. Don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. Don't eat it. Just let it go. Say, deacon, let it go. I don't want to, I got to get right with the Lord. Here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to repent, say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me of my sins, and then gobble it on up. 
eat it up and just be clean and just be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And listen to this, if you don't know the Lord, listen, get saved and then eat. Oh, that's a good word. Get saved and let's eat. You say, well, how do I get saved? Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. I'm a mess, God. I'm a mess. Cleanse me, oh God. And Jesus goes, bam, I cleanse you. The Holy Spirit comes in you. Eat. Eat for the first time. And eat this bread and drink this juice. Oh, let me, let me pray. And then we'll, Deacon says, we're gonna, it's going it's to be on. Let's do it. Let's do it. God, thank you for this sacred supper. God, thank you that we get to partake and we get to eat this bread and drink this juice and knowing what it represents, knowing that it represents the body and the blood, knowing that as we ingest it, as we take it in, we are telling you and we're telling the world that we eat your flesh, we drink your blood. Metaphorically, it it just changes us. We've embraced you as our king, and and you, Jesus, are worthy of everything. And so we we eat gladly, we drink gladly. Oh God, I do pray for my brothers and my sisters in the faith that, God, they would abstain. Lord, if they just cannot confess, if they just cannot draw near to you, then, Lord, just let them abstain. But, Lord, I do pray. For the first time, there would, be, there would be new believers in the house. There would be new Christians, and they would partake of this sacred supper. Oh, God, and may we get to celebrate with them in a few moments, and then maybe in a few days, we can celebrate with them in baptism, the other wonderful ordinance. Lord, bless our deacons. Bless our praise team as we just enter into this time, God, of worship. May it be a sweet, sacred, solemn, holy time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
I'll still repeat. Sing it with us. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. This is um, this is big time. This is where we eat this bread, and as we do, we are exalting Jesus. We're praising Him for His death. We're, we're proclaiming His death until He comes. But I, I want to read the text I read a moment ago, and I want this just to resonate in your heart. I want you to be thinking about this all day. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself, and He became obedient to the point of the death. Yes, even He died on the cross for your sins and my sins, and blessed be his holy name. This time we're going to take the juice, so bless you. Of life's deep. 
Also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. That's very exhaustive, by the way. That's everybody. 
that at the name of Jesus every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because he died, he shed his blood, and he arose from the dead so we can be forgiven of sins. Blessed be his holy name. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, deacons. Great job as always. So at this time, we're going to have our invitation. And you don't want to leave because this is the most important time. I don't know about you, but we have a gospel invitation. We see people come forward or people kneeling at the altar, people casting their burdens. See healing. See grace manifested. I'd rather see that than my favorite team score 100 touchdowns. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, what we're about to see, behold. There's another reason you don't want to leave. I'm going to share something with you in a moment and bless, bless us. So, you say, why are you talking about leaving? <laughs> because a bunch of people leave during the invitation. You say, well, how, why would they do that? Because they're hungry, I guess. I don't know. I'm just, I, I just can't wait for this time. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. And I invite you. I invite those of you a moment ago when I said, don't eat, but get right with God. You took me up on it. You took me up on that, that divine challenge from the Word of God. And you, you, need to, you need to let somebody know that. You need to say, I, I took the elements for the first time with a clean conscience. And I just give God praise and glory. Some of you say, for the very first time, I took the elements as a saved man or woman. And I praise his name, and where's the water, man? Well, I'm ready to get baptized, and I'm ready to follow hard after Jesus. So, pastors, why don't y'all come on up, and um, would y'all stand up here with me, or at least there at the altar? And um, Brother Kyle, would you mind coming up, standing with us? Jennifer Wakefield, where are you, sister? Would you come stand? And we got about you over here. You want to stand? Mike, Miracle, would you stand down here for us? Just... I just, I just believe God's going to send some people. We're going, we're going to need to be praying over people. <laughs> I was preaching last Sunday, and I missed y'all. I, I was preaching my heart out to about 50 people on Sunday morning. I was just giving it everything I had. And, and I said, you know, some of y'all don't want to come forward because you're like, if I go forward, people are going to know I'm coming forward. There might be something going on. I said, praise God. Something's going on. God's working and God's moving in your life. You got a big decision you got to make and Stu's up here, he's going to pray for you. Maybe a student, you got somebody on your heart, man, somebody's on your soul and you want them to come to Jesus and, and Daniel's standing here, he's like, I'll pray with you, I'll encourage you. I love y'all, pray for lost people. They got a big wall up there praying for the lost and my name's on it, it's funny, it's a funny thing. I hope it's up there by accident because I am saved, but I do appreciate the prayers. <laughs> it's funny, actually, it's funny. Maybe, maybe Mike's over here and he just got back from you know where. Praise God, God's moving in that part of the world and shoot. Maybe some of you just want to come over and just say, I want to pray for that part of the world. In fact, during the invitation, I'm coming your way. I'm praying for that nation. 
I'm praying for our unreached people group to come in droves to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to share something with you right quick, guys. My success in ministry is not how many people are sitting in this room, but it's how many of you will take the gospel to the nations. That's what I'm about. That's all I'm about. My success and my failure as a minister of the gospel is not how many people are going to be in this room, but it's how many of us will take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. How you doing, Ross? One of the most godly men I've ever met in my life, and he is willing to pray. He'll pray with you. If I wasn't going to visit Mike, I'd come visit you, all right? And I would. Jennifer, God bless you, and Kyle, they'll pray for you. Awesome counselors. So why don't we have the invitation, and we'll, we'll pray with one another, encourage one another. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, make these people busy. Make us busy, God, praying for nations, praying for healing, praying for jobs, praying for unity, praying for peace, praying for marriages, praying for kids. Oh, the sacrifice, Jesus, you paid so we get to do this, mercy. You died so we wouldn't have to carry burdens. This burden was never meant to be carried beyond the cross. So lay it down, casting all my cares upon you, Jesus, because you care for us. In Jesus' name, I invite you to come. Go ahead and stand. Come. Y'all sing. We'll come.